In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone. Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone Band Helsinki. With me all the way from across the pond is Mr. Parascience himself, the debonair Stephen Parsons. Thank you, Ron. What was it with the animal impression? What was that? That was not me. It wasn't you? No, it was not me. Oh, I thought it was you. I apologise profusely. I thought you were doing animal impressions. I thought you'd become Kieran O'Keefe for the animal impressions. Uh, no. Thank you. Anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. So there you go. Hey, I had a very busy weekend this uh, past weekend. I've been looking at the photographs. Some of them, you even look sober. <laughs> as you may know or may not know, is I actually got orbitized as well. I did, and I also saw um, what I've called quote of the week, uh, which is you describing uh, Richard Felix as the great ghost hunter. Well, how else would you describe him? <laughs> he, well... By his yes. own title, yes. the great, par- the the most haunted historian, I think, uh, is what he goes by. But no, uh, ghost finder general. The ghost find, yeah, the ghost finder general and Van Helsing. That's almost like uh, a vaudeville act, isn't it? Oh, you're walking on. <laughs> it's a nice dear young man. <laughs> Dancing on sand. Depending. Yeah, that's that's something like that. <laughs> so how did it go then? Yeah, it was very good. I mean, it was a great it investigation. Uh, I did it with uh, Jeff Belanger, of course, and Darkness Dave from Darkness Radio, the boys from Spooky South Coast, uh, uh, Josh, my good friend from the Hooten Mansion, and, um, uh, of course, Ian Carrigan, my co-host from Next Generation, was there, and Leslie Martin, who is a medium and also a member of my team, and uh, Andrew Lake, too. So, I mean, it was it was a good event lots of fun things happening and you know it it always goes back down to the personal experiences though rather than those odd uh, you know things that happen on film you know those things we we can't talk about orbs we can talk about orbs tonight i feel i feel relaxed today Mm -hmm. 
I feel okay. I can cope with orbs today. So. You can feel mellow again. Okay. I, I feel mellow. Um, there you we've, go. we've had, I, you've probably heard over there that Cher is dead. Um, no. Or, or rather, that's what happened on Twitter because um, over hmm. here we started using the, ta- the hashtag Thatcher is dead to right. tweet about. And uh, it caused quite a stare on Twitter, in fact, uh, as the Americans, you guys started to wake up over there and you saw this hashtag. Um, I think at one point even Cher herself said, no, I'm not. Yeah, uh, it was being read as, instead of Thatcher is dead, that Cher is dead. So that was, that was quite entertaining. Mm. Uh, yeah, we, lo- we lost uh, our former Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. She uh, finally right, killed over... Yeah, yeah, that's right. She, the Iron Lady keeled over yesterday. She rusted away. Um, and you know, there are a lot of people who aren't sorry. Um, yeah. And it's causing, you know, quite a lot of... Uh, well, we lost, we lost the net Buricello, which is probably just as big. Who, sorry? Annette Buricello. Mm, don't know her. Oh, my God. She's the original member of the Mickey Mouse Club. But anyways, we have actually have a guest on the line, so we should not be keeping him in the wings too long. And let's bring him on. He is the mm. author of several books, including Ghosts of Central New Jersey, Folklore of the New Jersey Score, Sure, Score, who knows, and World War II Ghosts, Artifacts That Can Talk. I like that one. Artifacts Can Talk. I like that one, actually, because it has two of my favorite things, Artifacts, World War II, and Ghosts, three of my favorite things, actually. So he is none other than Richard Kimmel. Richard? Ron, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Oh, great. I my age, spoke- that is. I haven't spoken with you for, God, it's got to be, uh, I don't know, eight years, maybe? Oh, it's been quite some time. Yes, it has. Yes, it I don't has. remember what we spoke about last. Well, was, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting am... old, you know, so, I, you know, I forget things rather can quickly. I, can I just interject and welcome people to Ghost Chronicles, the Alzheimer's edition? Alzheimer's uh, <laughs> edition, that's good. <laughs> I have to remember that. Can I use that or is that copyrighted? No, no. feel free. I've forgotten yeah. about it already. Uh, <laughs> Steven doesn't have an independent thought in his brain, so don't worry about it. He stole it from uh, Richard, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) So anyways, uh, and I'm talking about Richard Felix, not you, Richard Kimmel. That's Uh, all right. So you've, you know, last time I saw you, you only had the one book, which was the World War II Ghosts. And then I soon found out you had two others that one you co-wrote with, and I believe one uh, you wrote in, it on your own as well. Right. Yeah. Right. The latest book that uh, I wrote, I co-authored with my daughter, Karen, uh, and that's the uh, uh, Folklore of the Jersey Shore. Okay. And I do want to get into that because there's a couple of subjects in there that are dear to my heart, but uh, I know that, um, uh, what's this, my co-host's name, uh, Stephen, yes, Stephen Parsons is really interested in World War II because he is an RAF guy. Oh, that's you? good. And that's perfectly true. I've just been, um, I, I don't, I've got to admit, I'm actually looking forward to hearing more about New Jersey because the only thing I really know about um, the paranormal related to New Jersey, of course, is the very famous Jersey Devil. So, and that's, that's um, been discussed, you know, and discussed, you know, to no end, the Jersey Devil. Uh, there are so many uh, different versions 
uh, of what the Jersey Devil is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did cover that in the, the latest book, in Folklore of the Jersey Shore, uh, but only from, from our point of view. Uh, there are so many points of view regarding that that you could probably do you know a dozen books on that subject and, and still have room for more. Well, uh, well, we'll get into the Jersey Devil and the and New Jersey Ghosts in a bit. I, I really want to do start off with the World War II Ghosts uh, artifacts can talk. And I want to know how you got interested in World War II artifacts and, and how did that become uh, connected with uh, ghosts and the paranormal? Well, actually, my first interest... Uh, was aroused uh, during World War II. Uh, I was a young boy. Uh, at the end of World War II, I was only 10 years old, but, you know, we had quite a few of the, the neighborhood GIs uh, that were serving and that were returning from the war. And with them, they brought back, you know, many, you know, souvenirs. Uh, right. And uh, they would just give these out. To, to neighborhood kids, uh, to friends in the neighborhood, uh, and I happened to get uh, a, a couple little pieces that were brought back uh, and uh, from Europe, and, uh, you know, it, it sort of aroused my interest a little bit, and it, not to any great extent at that time, because I was more interested in, in collecting the, the wartime postage stamps uh, oh, okay. World War II. Uh, but as I started to, to you know, uh, grow, uh, I became more and more interested in, in, in World War II and did quite a bit of reading about it. And it was discussed, you know, uh, quite a bit uh, in school uh, because it was still fresh in, in everyone's mind. And, uh, you know, it, it just became very interesting to me. But for years, uh, I, I didn't think about it too much in the respect of, you know, uh, what was happening. Uh, the artifacts that I had gotten were only two pieces. They were two German badges that were, were given to me. Uh, and every time I had these in my hands or looked at them or showed them to someone, I just had a, a feeling about them, but I couldn't explain what this feeling was. Mm-hmm. And that didn't come about until many, many years later. Uh, in fact, about, I would say about 15 years ago, uh, when my daughter first got the idea of starting a, a, a paranormal group of her own, and she got me involved in it. Uh, I then began to say to myself, well, how many times has... Uh, maybe you even have, have, have asked this question yourself uh, or have heard many people say it. Uh, they have an artifact, and they would say something similar to, uh, you know, if this artifact could only speak, what would it say? It must right. have an awful lot that, it, that it, it could say, I know it. You know, and I thought about this, and I said, you know, there has to be a connection here somewhere. And... I always say up front, I'm not psychic, but I do have a sensitivity that I found out uh, with the use of a pendulum. And, so dowsing. You know, for dowsing. And right. uh, how that came about, uh, I was 
uh, home recuperating from heart surgery. And I was watching a television program one evening, and they were using pendulums, but they were playing games with them. Uh, it wasn't anything serious that they were doing with these. And, and I said to myself, you know, I'm going to make myself a pendulum. And lo and behold, the next day in the mail, a tiny wooden cross was sent to me by a religious organization mm -hmm. for a donation. Uh, right. And it was a, a keychain attached to it. And I decided, well, I'm going to make a, a pendulum out of this cross because it was a blessed cross, and I figured I, I can't go wrong. And it's made of wood, and, you know, I attached a piece of cotton string to it. So it virtually made it impervious to electromagnetism. Uh, no kind of magnetism could affect this under it. Right. Uh, what I did was, was very simple. I took a photograph that I had of my father and my daughter and son-in-law, and I held the pendulum over each of their heads in the photograph, and I, I didn't direct the pendulum. I didn't say a thing to it. And uh, the pendulum over my son-in-law's head and over my daughter's head didn't move at all. When I held it over my father's head, the pendulum began to rotate all by itself. The first thing that came to my mind was, wow, this, this thing, you know, is telling me that there's death involved here. Because my father had long been, been deceased. Okay. You know, so I carried it a little bit further. Uh, I did uh, my high school yearbook, all of our graduation photographs, the portraits. We were having our 50th reunion coming up, and I held it over each of the classmates' heads. And the ones that are rotated over, I made a note of. And at the reunion, they had a board on the wall with all the photographs of the classmates who had, you know, been deceased for the years. Every one of them that I had a notation of from my yearbook was on that board and was on that board. And, oh, that, that's and there were some that weren't on that board. Yeah. Couldn't locate. So, okay. you know, that's where it started. So let me, let me, I want to interrupt you there for a minute because I want to get Steve's take on this because, Steve, you don't believe in Pendleton Dowson at all, I believe, right? Uh, well, do you know, I'm rather ambivalent towards it because there's actually, um, there, you know, we've got um, the work of uh, British pioneer uh, psychical researcher T.C. Lethbridge who uh, was convinced that dowsing was a way of detecting... Um, he 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 picked up um, that certain places had a an atmosphere that that was affecting people, um, uh, and he used a, a pendulum of varying lengths uh, in order to to detect this. And he he wrote several books um, on the subject, um, probably most notably Ghost and Divining Rod. Um, in which he, he, he laid out this theory that it was possible to detect these these uh, environmental changes and energies that are sort of stored within the environment and possibly within objects. And there's been others. Jeffrey Goodman wrote a book, um, uh, looked at psychic archaeology. But if we just look at dowsing, um, you know, there's, there's a book up on the shelf here, um, Dowsing and Church Archaeology. Um, you know, so there, there are... 
there are certainly arguments in favour of, of, of the possibility. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of um, Lethbridge, you know, he did do some very, very careful research. People would obviously dispute it and say that, you know, well, of course, right. um, you know, he, there are other possibilities. I mean, for, for example, the obvious one being that the dowser himself is moving the pendulum. Right. Uh, and, and I know, you know, I know several dowsers who wouldn't disagree with that. The, they, the, their explanation, of course, is that the, the dowsing pendulum or the rods are merely like the indicator pointer on a, on a dial, mm-hmm. uh, but the energy is, is flowing through them psychically exactly. or, 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 or in some fashion, and this is merely amplifying it and indicating it. So I'm quite ambivalent. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand, um, oh, but okay. I remain to be convinced. I, I, the, uh, Richard, what I found interesting in, in, uh, that you use a non-conductive materials, because, you know, most of the dowsing stuff you see are always conductive. And I, I thought that is rather interesting, too, because you don't have the influence of, uh, well, not uh, as strongly as with magnetic fields and so forth. Well, that's what I—that's what I uh, anticipated when I when I put this together, because of the fact I knew it, that uh, I felt that I had some sort of sensitivity. We all have a certain amount of of sensitivity. Some is developed more so than others, uh, and some is taken to higher levels where your psychics come in. Uh, I wish I had that ability uh, to see and to hear and to talk, you know, but I, I, I can't. I don't. I don't go into that area, uh, but. Uh, I did decide that I'm going to, you know, take an artifact and see if there's energy coming from it. And I okay. work with wartime artifacts primarily because of the fact that uh, the, the, the traumatic conditions that some of these have been found or have been taken under uh, of wartime uh, is, is extremely high. And uh, I felt that if there is any type of connection between the paranormal and between, you know, an artifact, uh, it's going to be detected in some way. And what I do is is very simple. Uh, I will take an artifact and uh, I will hold the pendulum over the artifact. And if there's energy coming from it, the indication will be that the pendulum will rotate by itself. And the faster the rotation, the stronger the energy appears to be. Now, I don't know what this energy is. I don't know whether it's a, an interactive uh, type of energy or whether it is a, a residual type of energy. This is where I bring the psychic into play. And, and you've worked with quite a few. I mean, you've worked with my good friend uh, uh, Jane Doherty, who... Yes. Uh, uh, Steve, you know Jane Dowry, the psychic with the uh, psychic belly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was on the show before, and uh, I know that you have worked with her in the past. Jane did, in fact, most of the uh, uh, the evaluations of the artifacts in that book. Okay, uh, we spent you know hours and hours one night uh, going over artifacts, and uh, you know it, it just was amazing. The, the information that came forth, because as with all my psychics that I work with, I never, ever will tell them anything that I know about the artifact that I previously know about it. 
because what I want them to do, what's obvious is, is obvious. If it's a pistol or a dagger or, or whatever, they can see this. But that's all that they know is what they see in front of them. Correct. And what is amazing is that, you know, they will tell me things that I already know about it, which is confirming that they're not, you know, trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And then they tell me things that I didn't know about the artifact information. And when I research that information, you know, it proves, you know, 99 and 9 tenths percent to be true. There's always that little percentage in there that you run into a dead end. And what we're doing actually is, is, is getting uh, bits and pieces uh, from the psychic intervention with this. Uh, and it's like putting a, a puzzle together, you know, and right. when it all comes together, you get this additional information. And like I said, it, it, it proves out, you know, you run into dead ends because, you know, World War II or any wartime period, uh, you're going to only be able to go so far. Uh, in tracing a name uh, that's that's given to you, uh, or a, a, an area, uh, or what have you. One good example of this in the book is where I have a, a Japanese pistol. It's on the cover of the book also. Uh, yeah. And, you know, what I knew about that pistol was that it was Japanese, and uh, it was from World War II. And that's all I knew about that pistol. Now, it didn't belong to me. It belonged to a, an associate of mine. And I didn't want him to tell me anything more about it. Uh, and when the energy was detected, it was very strong. And when Jane had this in her hands, she immediately told me that, you know, she saw a... Uh, a jungle-type area. Now, she didn't know whether this pistol was American, Japanese, or German, or what. And uh, she saw, you know, a line of men walking. And these men were being, occasionally, some were being shot indiscriminately. Okay. You know, and, you know, there were quite a few more facts that came out with this. Uh, she said that there is a uh, a Japanese officer that's coming through to her. Now, part of that was residual that she was seeing. Right. And a Japanese officer was coming through to her, she said. She knew he was Japanese because of what he looked like. And, you know, she says he, he, he spoke... Well, and, and, and what, what, what she was picking up was uh, what he was, you know, trying to convey to her. Right. And he was very remorseful about what he had done. And he is still with us. And he's here because he wants to atone for, you know, what he had done. So and, let me ask you this on that, Richard. I mean, she came up with this information, but right. was there a way to verify it at all, or, or yes. anything, or is, it, or is it just strictly when I contacted the individual that that owned the pistol? Yeah, I I didn't tell him anything about. It. I said I, I now I have to ask you 
to tell me where this pistol came from. Okay? And he said this pistol was used by a Japanese officer, he said, on the Bataan Death March. Hmm. And that's exactly what she saw. She saw a jungle setting. She saw right. men marching in a line. And she saw them being shot indiscriminately. Hmm. So all these pieces fit together, fit together. Yeah. with the pistol. You know, this is just one item on the list, you know, where we had both a, a, a residual and we had a, an interactive human spirit connected to it yet. So she was sp still speaking with this Japanese officer who was still on in, uh, with us, let's put it that way. Right. And he wasn't ready to cross over yet. She asked him, she, she said, she said, it's time for you to go. And he says, no, I can't, he says. He said, I still have to, you know, atone for what I had done. Can you I? Know, so uh, he's still with the pistol. Okay, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, it, it, I mean, in, it, purely in the spirit of questioning, and you know, please don't think this impertinent, but um, I was making some notes as, as you were talking, Richard, um, about the the, uh, the impressions that the psychic was gaining um, from from a, a you said a Japanese pistol. Um, now. I don't know much about firearms, but I do know that military firearms carry markings that are quite distinct. Um, right. Uh, and I imagine that a Japanese firearm would carry markings in Japanese uh, because they have a, would, yes. a unique language. Now, given, given that the, the, the psychic is holding the pistol, it would be fairly... Uh, you know, not 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 a great leap of of imagination to assume that they could see the Japanese markings on the on the pistol. Um, That's and then yes. if, if we've all seen um, the movies, we all know the history, the terrible history of um, the Pacific War, um, and those images. You know, if I just think about the Pacific War, those are the sort of images that spring into my mind. Um, so, you know, fr from a, a sceptical point of view, and I, you know, as I said before, don't think me being impertinent, but, you know, just there is, this, there, there is yeah. this other possibility. You know, if you mention to me the, the Pacific War uh, between America and Japan, I will immediately conjure up jungles, uh, the indiscriminate mass shootings of, of the prisoners, right. the forced marches, um, and, of course, you know... Uh, Pistols are always associated with the officer class. You know, the, the Japanese ordinary soldier, the infantryman of, of, of America, Great Britain, Germany, they carry yeah, rifles or machine guns, but the officers always carry the pistol. So there is, to my mind, um, no real uh, conflict in what, with what the mediums come up with there. But if we can just pop back to pendulums a minute, um, it's interesting. <laughs> I was just looking back. No, I was just looking back at a, uh, an well, early. Before you go into that, I just want to make mention. You mentioned about you mentioned the word skeptics. I know it's skepticism. You know, there there actually are no skeptics. No. And let me clarify that a skeptic, in my way of looking at it, is simply a closet believer. <laughs> you know, they just haven't come out of the closet yet on it, and we've we've proven this. But you are on on investigations, uh, some serious investigations where we have invited a skeptic to come. Well, along I actually hear the music, so we're going to have to hold that thought because we have to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parasite and Steve Parson, New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojinet. 
Pararex Ghost GNLBR and our special guest, Richard Kimmel. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokenet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we are, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Stephen Parsons, Ron Kolick, and our special guest, Richard Kimmel, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. So, anyways, before the break, you you made kind of a controversial uh, statement, Richard. Do you, you want to uh, explain that for us? About skeptics? Yes, there are no skeptics. They're right. all... Closet There's closet believers. believers on there with it. And we've taken skeptics on some of our major investigations with our group, uh, which, by the way, is the New Jersey Ghost Organization. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I can tell you firsthand that uh, when the investigation was completed, the skeptics now became a complete believer hmm. because of what happened to them 
on the investigation on it. That they had no way of explaining on it what happened. Uh, anywhere from a, a uh, you know, and we don't do the investigations in total darkness, you know. So you you can you can see if somebody is 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 there doing something on it, and they range anywhere from uh, you know a a an actual slap in the head that couldn't be explained on it uh, when no one else is around, you know, and and they're talking directly to you and you're looking each other in the face on the lips, you know, uh, that's the drastic end of it, uh, to uh, their, their name uh, being, you know, said out loud. Uh, for, for, it could be anything on the lips, but they do come out believers on the lips, you know. Uh, we've had I some- mean, I think that's just the, the ones that you have seen, but I'm sure there are people who disagree with you and, sure. and don't believe in ghosts. In fact, they don't even believe in an afterlife. So, I mean, it, it'd be a little hard for them to be called a closet. Right. Yeah. It, it, the, it's hard to believe until, it, unless something happens to you, you can't explain. You know, it I, makes you a little more, you know, susceptible well, seen- to that. Yes, it's possible, you know, that, that this could be taking place. Uh, and, and, and quite a few of us, in fact, most of us will, will not really know for a fact uh, if all of this is true or not, you know, until we, you know, you know finally leave this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and true. that's the only so way true. we'll find out. Uh, Except I'm not going, so it doesn't matter. There may be nothing. <laughs> there may be nothing, but that's yet to be found out. I know like, you actually, had a question there. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I've just I've I've encountered skeptics uh, who have been taken into uh, haunted locations, and it wouldn't really make any difference what whatsoever what actually transpired. Their position is absolutely unshakable. Um, they they have a deeply held conviction that the paranormal is bunkum. Uh, that that people who uh, spend their time studying the paranormal, even academic parapsychologists who, who academically research the paranormal are wasting their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an absolutely unshakable belief. I mean, of course, they, they all use the appropriate language that uh, they remain evidence-led and that they're prepared to change their uh, mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but, you know, university, that's not the case. Not. They've, yeah. they've, built a, they've built a career around uh, the... As, as being a skeptic. Uh, Ron, here's something that might help a little bit. Uh, I have some very, very close associates uh, in England, and it's on a forum that I, I participate in. It's not a paranormal forum, uh, but uh, they believe in this so strongly uh, that there is a connection. Uh, and it's unusual for a military-type forum to believe this. They just don't want to come out and say certain things. Uh, they actually gave me my own you know, section on that form, and it works out very well. Uh, but from that, uh, there was a great discussion one day on, on a, a German Luftwaffe night fighter pilot mm-hmm. by the name of Rudolf Sigmund. Uh, had quite a few kills. Uh, mostly bombers, both U.S. and British. Uh, and uh, he was shot down over Germany. And, right. was, and uh, his sister had sold off quite a few of his decorations in the last few years that he had. 
artifacts. And among that was a flag, a German flag. And uh, what it transpired was the, the, the now, now keep in mind now, there's no offense to the British on there, believe me when I say this, but there were bad feelings, you know, between both the Germans and the British during World War II for obvious reasons. Right? And uh, it seemed that, that Rudolf Sigmund, his spirit, was still with his artifacts. And this I mean, flag... How, how do you know that? I mean, that's, well, that's, well, let, me, let me finish and you'll see. Yeah. Okay. This flag was uh, in the... Uh, the bedroom, or the den, if you want to call it that, where uh, this gentleman kept most of his artifacts on there that he had. And one, his, sister, he would, his sister would stay over. This gentleman's sister would stay over uh, on weekends. And one evening, as she was sleeping, she awoke, and she saw a image of a, of a German pilot standing at the foot of her bed. Okay. And it didn't say anything. There was no no other communication. But she was so frightened that she told him, her, her, her brother, she had, he had to get rid of this flag. The flag was right by bedside, I know. And it, you had to get rid of this flag, I knew it. And I'm never going to stay in that room again, she told him. It, it, it's impossible. <laughs> so what happened was he was putting this all on the form. And he had asked me if I would take the flag off his hands. And I said, by all means, send it to me. Well, here's what transpired now. The first receipt of that flag, when it came in the mail, I didn't even open the package yet. And I welcomed Sigmund into my home. And I had told him that the only thing that I ask is that you show me the same respect as I show you. I put him in my, my little den. Now, here's the rest of the story where it gets really good. Right? Every morning when I pass by my den, now no one in our house smokes at all. No one is permitted to smoke in our house at all. I get the distinct smell of pipe smoke when I pass by my den door. Now, just keep that in mind. Most British and German pilots... They did smoke quite a few smoke pipes. So that's one little, little, little thing. But the ironic part about this is, is that, you know, he was causing these problems in England because, and we had a, a long psychic intervention with this, where there's many questions were asked of him. And as a result of it, he had come out with a lot of information but he was asked specifically why he was so upset and why he was still with his decorations, why he was causing these problems. Right. And he said that he understands that his sister needed money. He understood that. Because okay. of why she sold off a lot of his stuff. And he forgave her for that. But the fact that these items were in British hands was what upset him. At that point, yeah, that would upset me too. Actually, well, I and he didn't—he didn't have it. What I find uh, I, again, um, wait, wait, the flag what? was the flag was unique in itself because this was the actual flag 
that draped his coffin. Right. Okay. I was going to ask what's the significance of the flag. Why why was it associated with with our flag? Because, you know, um, a flag is a flag. It's not a personal object. But as you've just explained, it was it was draped over his coffin. why, why was he so hacked off at the British? I mean, you know, he shot down American bombers too. He was at war with America equally um, as he was exactly. with Great Britain. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, you know, I, I'm, I'm again putting my, my questioning hat on, uh, asking the questions on behalf of the, of the listeners as well. Because you, know, you said you, invite, you, you knew the story prior to the arrival of the flag, and when the flag first arrived, you welcomed Sigmund into your home. So there is the, there is the prior expectation um, and knowledge of the story on your part, and it's, it's probably largely incorrect to... to uh, Sigmund may have been a pipe smoker, but it is largely incorrect to assume that every British uh, airman or, or, or German airman smoked a pipe. You know, oh, a huge no, I didn't number say of them. everyone. I said, I said yeah. a good part of them did. I would say the majority smoke. of them were cigarette smokers. But, but see, the, um, thing, the important thing here is, is that, you know, uh, when I welcomed him into my home, I welcomed him in German because I'm German on both sides of my family. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, and this is the reason why I think he feels at ease here. Right. You know, with me, rather than, you know, just an American, you know, I don't know how he would feel. I, I don't know what's happening with, with one of his other decorations is in this country. The other decorations are still in, in, in England yet, okay. in various hands. So I don't right. know what's going on with these other people because I've never heard from well, that would be interesting to find out in itself. That would, that would be an interesting comparison. Right. If we can, can I just uh, ask... Because there is there is another type of artifact that that's very very you know has a great significance. Um, I know Richard's concentrated primarily on the military um, and from World War Two, um, but I'm also interested. As Richard, have you ever tried dousing over religious artifacts? Because you know they they have a huge significance to people, uh, particularly small icons or or you know small statues. Probably um, even more. Uh, you know, uh, over the course of years of ownership uh, and reverence to them. Have well, you ever I tried dousing over religious artifacts? I of strong energy, not just because it's a, 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 a religious artifact. I'm, I, I'm, I'm talking about a, 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 an actual uh, uh, religious, you know, something that belonged to, to uh, 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 you know, uh, either, a, either a, a, a saint or... or Pope, I have, I have seen some belong to them. I know would would have that. Thing. Get much I think these average produced, you know, uh, these trinkets and that. I don't think they carry energy at all. Really? Uh, in fact, I've never, I've never encountered any energy with any any pieces that I, I have touched. You know, that I have used the pendulum over. No, uh, I, I've spoken know, to them because about it, it's that. just a uh, a representation of something. Uh, no, I've spoken to doubters about you know, that, and they actually belong with to the... a specific individual. Go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. I was just saying, I've spoken to dousers about uh, dousing religious artifacts, and they say that the power that they contain is actually quite huge because of the amount of prayer or devotion that's directly towards the artifact. Um, and they, you know, they say that they're amongst some of the strongest uh, objects that can be doused right. for. So that's an interesting. Uh, they were just personal devotional items in a small, uh, you know, um, 
a rosary bead, a small uh, statue that they that mm. they had blessed, that stood in a niche in the in the family home for a hundred years, a small crucifix uh, again that stood on um, a shelf. But these were personal devotional items. In fact, if we just bring it round to the military. Uh, some of the artifacts, one or two of the artifacts I've got here, are small um, religious artifacts that, that soldiers carried during wartime uh, as personal. Uh, devotional items right. and keep that, that type of artifact, being it was, you know, in a situation, okay, where there was a lot of, you know, trauma, if you wish, on you know, uh, a lot of things going on during a wartime period could have picked up this energy on you. It's right. like, it's like, you know, I, I was trying to explain to somebody very simple on you that that doesn't, you know, that doesn't know anything about, you know, uh, what what we're talking about uh, to take a a common uh, uh, for instance your your residual type of energy uh, I always relate it to uh, the uh, old uh, you know video uh, recording tapes uh, when the the composition of the 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 emulsion on those uh, was uh, Primarily uh, iron oxide or, or rust. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was related to that because they can relate. They can relate to rust on their lip, and uh, these this rust. It can be any object uh, that has you know a little rust on it, uh, a, a head of a nail, uh, uh, anything, a doorknob, anything that can. When the conditions are right, it, it, it can record. Yeah, I, can I can I preserve the, the history? This is in the no, atmosphere I, itself. I'm now, sorry, I have I'm sorry, walked into Richard, Richard, I have walked as a, physically as you know, a residual haunting. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. this was on the Queen Mary. Hang on, Steve. This was right. on the Queen Mary in, in, in Docton, Long Beach when I was out there in California. Uh, I was on the bow of the ship and I was facing the only uh, anti-aircraft gun that was still there, left there from World War II when it was used as a, a troop ship. Uh, and uh, uh, as I started walking, I was videotaping this. And I have this on video. Uh, I have this on, on digital video. Uh, as I was walking towards, you know, the gun mount, which I still had a distance to go, I was still filming or videotaping. And out of nowhere... Thousands and thousands of bees came swarming around me, mm-hmm. and I couldn't touch these bees. I tried to push them away, and, and you would think with thousands of bees, you would hit some of them, uh, and they didn't touch me. I could hear the buzzing. You can hear this on the video. You can see the bees, and my son and my, my wife were way ahead of me. They were by the gun mount, and they were calling to me to hurry up. And their voices were sort of very muffled and, and, and uh, you know, almost indistinguishable. Well, I reported this to the, the ship's uh, personnel. And they said, there are, we have checked up in the front. There is, there was, this has happened several times to several people. We have seen nothing. We, there are no nests up there, no hives, nothing. What you walked into and they told me this point blank was one of our hauntings here on the Queen Mary. It's a residual type haunting that occurs. Why it occurs, 
it's, when the atmospheric conditions are right, this happens. I just happen to be caught in it and have this on, on I, I, video. Steve, uh, I know you had a question. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, it's, not, it's not so much a question. It's a real problem. Um, I study physics, um, and one of the one of the it's been, one of the things that, that I hear so often is this this claim about um, because something contains iron oxide or silica or silicon dioxide, uh, it can work like a videotape, and then. Uh, when conditions are right, but there is no mechanism that that's known to to physics. We all we all know exactly how to make iron oxide on a tape record video pictures and record sounds. We know how to put it on, and we know how to take it off, and we know how to turn it back into pictures. But within within the environment, the existence of rust, which is iron, uh, iron oxide, is probably one of the most common materials on the planet. There is where is the mechanism? Where is this when conditions are right? And that really, really worries me. It troubles me that so many people repeat this uh, half truth. There is no, you know, no, I'm not saying that there isn't a residual energy or a residual haunting but the mechanism is is so deeply flawed as to be i i just well, there, there is just this, nothing to support this, well, it i think I, it's you, you you've heard it you heard the 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 words used quite often uh about the 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 veil uh yeah, yeah. when the veil was the thinnest i know it uh, yeah. I think, even though we don't know what the veil is, but that's all right. Well, right. Yeah. I think, well, I think that's what they may be referring to under it. Uh, when conditions are are, are right, yeah, uh, when do, the veil was. But Richard, under we it, don't know. know there is no mechanism. Something in the I area can... uh, that has been there ever uh, 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 an old house that has rusted, you know, things on the outside of the house, metal things like that. Something could even be be just. Uh, buried in the ground, you know. But then uh, you could just say it was because the sky was blue, where, where or, a, a battle or because the sun was shining at a particular angle. War, for instance, on there were things in the ground. Look what they're finding in. in, in uh, I just uh, saw something on the internet in in Holland on there where they're 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 finding a lot of uh, World War but, Two uh, German relics in the but, ground. But uh, Richard, those are, that's just you know those still we're talking theories. I mean, we can't prove that. I mean, this is a theory that's that some people believe in and others don't. Uh, you know, like the water tape theory and some of the other ones. In fact, the water tape theory probably has more credence than, than the iron oxide or, or the silica theory. Uh, but anyway, so it's interesting. And, and I believe it or not, we're almost out of time. So <laughs> I, I do want to... Yeah. I do want to talk, touch a little bit on your other books. And, um, you know, I, I'm a member of the... Uh, um, American Lighthouse Foundation, and I noticed in one of your books you did a uh, chapter on Sandy Hook lighthouses. So you, you care to talk about, a little bit about that just for me? There were, there were, there were several of them in there uh, in, mm-hmm. that, in that latest book on the lighthouses. Uh, what we actually did, uh, I, I, I recruited my daughter to do most of the legwork with some of this, <laughs> with the book, you know, and... Uh, uh, she did a very good job on it. Uh, what, what, it's, what it seems to be is that the, the, uh, uh, these areas, uh, again now, they're, they're, they're mo- lighthouses are all near, you know, some type of, of, of water condition on the, you know, be. you know, and,
And uh, things have taken place by some of these lighthouses uh, where uh, there have been actual murders have taken place, uh, things of that nature, I know it. And these are, are what I think people are actually encountering, I know it, is, is either residuals from this uh, or, uh, uh, you know, the actual human spirit that still may be involved there. Uh, but it's like anything else, I know it, uh, you know, Unless you experience it for yourself, you know, you're, you're taking somebody else's word that, that this has happened, you know, here. I know it. And, you know, this is where, you know, uh, you know, makes the difference, I think, between, you know, why, you know, so many people are still skeptical about about, about things that are taking place. I know it. Uh, but uh, uh, the lighthouses were, were used, I know it, because of, of things that, that when we followed up on them, uh, you know, uh, the folklore involved. Because when you talk about folklore, folklore is usually, in, in most instances, is usually something paranormal connected with folklore. It seems to be, at least that's what we found out uh, with these places. You mentioned the Jersey Devil before. Uh, right. The, the, the right. home where he allegedly was born in is no longer there. The property is still there, uh, and, uh, you know, it's all overgrown uh, now, the property on there, and uh, where this, this home allegedly once stood, you know, and when my daughter went to all of these places, uh, a psychic accompanied her, you know, and, and there was tremendous energy. In fact, they found this place. Because of the psychic on it, because what they show, what they what they tell you when you you, you go to look for, for certain places, especially where the Jersey Devil was born, you know, uh, the place that you're directed to is not the actual place. For some no. reason, you know, so you know, they were they went with the psychic, and that's where they would got to the place, not where people told them this place was. You know, they found so it, it, it you know. It's, I guess, a matter of, of how you go about it, uh, what methods you use, uh, and everything combined. Right. But we have to keep in mind that, you know, we always say, well, you know, well, there's always a conflict between science and the paranormal. If, if, if it can't be, be, be proven scientifically, it, it doesn't exist on their way. Well, you know, to me, that's a bunch of baloney on their way, in plain, simple language, because of the fact that, you know, we do use, you know, scientific instruments in investigations. Uh, everything we use is a scientific... Well, we, well it's not scientific. Wow. <laughs> we use we instruments. We use instruments. Some of right, them are scientific. Instruments. Um, anyways, we, believe it or not, we've just about run out of time, Richard, so I would like to... Do you have a website or anything you would like to uh, let our listeners know? About? All, I, all I have to do is, is to get to my website is just type in my name, Richard Kimmel. You know, and my my coordinates to the website will come up because I, okay. I, I can never remember. It's so darn long. All right, that's not <laughs> a problem. They gave me. And, you know, uh, it, it's you know easy to get. Just type in Richard Kimmel and, you know, you'll see Paranormal Archaeology. Mm-hmm. You know, click on Paranormal Archaeology and that'll take you right to my website. Right. Well, Richard, uh, we've been. We want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank this you has very been much. Richard uh, J. Kemmel. He's written the books uh, World War II Ghosts, Artifacts Can Talk, Ghosts of Central New Jersey, and Folklore of the New 
Jersey Shore. And, and we I'm working on a revised edition of the first book, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Richard. You have a great day. Thank you. Thank yep, you very bye. much. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye now, Ron. Yeah. Well, that was cool. I mean, it certainly had his interesting thoughts. Some very um, interesting ideas, and so, and and some that I, you know, I can I can certainly go along with this idea of you know uh, artifacts that, that have become significant to people uh, mm -hmm. taking on um, a, a deeper meaning that may you know that that some psychics it's called psychometry. It's been you know it's it's and, it's, and a well, it's funny you you bring that up because you're actually uh, participating in my paranormal study group, which is on uh, I am <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I mean, and what's what's it about? It's about psychometry. It's about psychometry. Right. So this is this will be interesting. We'll we'll carry on our conversation at that time. But I found it interesting too uh, that he didn't believe that religious relics would have that same energy as well. So no, that came um, as a bit of a surprise to me because uh, it goes against what some of the dowsers have said to me. But that's yeah. you, you know, Richard has based it on his experience, and he exactly. may have doused religious artifacts and not had uh, any any results from them. So. And uh, I noticed that uh, Kat in the Parex ch ch uh, chat room says that uh, your guests had a very valid point. Just because you can't be proven doesn't mean rule out the possibility that it may exist. Well, that's an interesting point of view. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we actually, we, we, know, we have to talk about that in another show, and we have in the past. So anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles. Oh, anything coming up you want to uh, talk no, about? No, no. Nice, quiet week for me, for a chance. All right. Good enough. So, until uh, next time, from uh, myself and my good friend, Stephen Parsons. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. There you go. Bye now. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. You're listening.